Well, good evening, and let me add my own welcome to our service this evening. Welcome to those of you listening from home, and welcome to all of you here in the building. It's great to have you with us tonight. My name's Tom, I'm one of the curates here at All Saints, and I'm really looking forward to opening up this passage in Ephesians chapter 3 for us this evening. So please do grab a Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 3, and in just a moment we're going to be reading from verse 14. Um, And to help us engage with what Paul's trying to do in this prayer, one of my favorite prayers uh, in the scriptures, can I I ask you to picture a beach with the the tide rolling in? Uh, I don't know about you, but I spent my childhood on beaches in Devon and Cornwall and Brittany on holiday, playing in the sea. And the the thing I loved to do as the waves would come in was build what we'd call tide fights. And eight-year-old me would dig these really deep moats with my bucket and spade and heap up these walls and build a little castle that I could stand in as the tide came rushing in. And then as the waves would come by, they'd fill up the moats, they'd bash against the walls, and they'd flow around me, and I'd be standing there safe with water on all four sides, seeing how long my castle could could hold out against the sea. Most exciting thing I could think of at eight years old. I really loved it. But the thing is that however long I could hold out against the tide, the sea would always win in the end. And it's that picture of the the limitlessness of the sea, the the picture of infinity that we're drawn back to again and again when we're trying to, to find a metaphor for something that's too big for us to contain. The sea keeps drawing us back. And that's what Paul wants us to grasp in Ephesians chapter 3. So hold that image of the tide rolling in in your mind and read with me Ephesians 3 and from, from verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through your spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And so Paul prays for us that you and I might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, that we might grasp how wide and long and high and deep is God's love for us, that we might know a love that surpasses knowledge itself. Uh, And the sad truth is that the reality of my life and your life is more like what was put so evocatively by C.S. Lewis when he he wrote that we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday by the sea, we are far too easily pleased. And the fact is that you and I, we are far too easily pleased. In this path of following Jesus, there is always more. When it comes to how much of his love we can know and receive and be transformed by, there is always more. The question for you, the question for me, is very simple. How much more do you want? The great news of the gospel, it means that when we're most desperate for him, when we know our need of him, when we're most hungry for him, that's when Jesus is most truly ours. But how often are we satisfied just to play in the shallows? 
And spiritually speaking, I, I truly believe that God will allow me, that God will allow you to settle at any level that you choose. He'll allow you to stay there. The question is, how much do you want him? How much more do you want? And how can we receive the more that is on offer? Well, let's turn to Ephesians and these four or five verses to find out. And in this passage, Paul prays just one thing, but he's so excited about it that he prays it twice. I don't know if you noticed that. In verse 14 and 15, he gives the reason for his prayer, and then he prays in verse 16. And then having finished his prayer, he thinks, I can do that better. I can do better. I'm going to pray it again and give it everything. So in verse 16, he prays it the first time. He says, I pray that out of God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And having prayed that, he prays it again. He says, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. The same prayer, he prays it twice. And there are three things that we can see in this prayer that help us when we're looking at what God is offering. The first is why. Why is it that Paul can be so confident in praying such a bold, such an ambitious prayer? Well, it's those first three words in verse 14. For this reason. This is halfway through chapter 3 in the letter to the Ephesians. And Paul's building on everything that he's already established in chapters 1 and 2. And and what we see as we look back in Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2 is that God has exalted Jesus far above every other name to rule this universe, to fill and reconcile to himself all things. And that he's united us with Jesus. That's the foundation for Paul's prayer. Uh, Let's look quickly at the last verses of chapter 1 and chapter 2 just to catch up with the reason Paul's referring to. So Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So that the first metaphor Paul gives us is a body, that Jesus is the head, that we're the body. And just as my mind sends its signals and its orders through the whole body to lift this hand here, to say that word there, so Jesus wants to fill us, so we're connected to him as a body's connected to its head. And then the last verses of Ephesians 2, verse 21. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Metaphor switches, same point, but different metaphor. Not a body now, but a building that you and I, we're bricks. And we're built together to make this house. And it's a house that God is going to dwell inside. Now, when Sarah and I moved into our our current house, we spent ages deciding which paint are we going to use? What's going to go on what wall? Which new furniture do we need? What's this room going to be for? Which picture's going to go where? And when you move into a house, you put your stamp on it. It takes on your personality. It's exciting, isn't it, to take a blank canvas and let your house express who you are. It's the same thing with us and God. God's building us together to be a building, a home that he can dwell in, that can be filled with him, that can take on the imprint of Jesus in every brick. In Ephesians 1 and 2, we've seen that God has exalted Jesus and incorporated us into him, built us into him. And that's the reason that Paul feels able to pray the prayer that he now prays. He's asking God to make good what he's already begun. So that's why we know we can have more. 
How? How do we get it? Well, that's what Paul then says. And you'll notice that he says the same thing in both his prayers, in 16 and 17, and then again in 17, 18, and 19. Both his prayers, Paul prays that God might give us the power to know his love. So the first prayer, verse 16 and 17, he prays that God might strengthen us with power from God's riches through his spirit in our inner beings. And then in the second prayer in 17 and 18, he says that he asks that God may give us power together with all the saints, all of us together, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. You'll notice he doesn't pray for a change in our circumstances. He doesn't pray for life to become easy. He doesn't pray for anything external to us. This is a heart prayer. It's about what happens in our inner being. And he prays that in my heart, in my soul, in my true self, that by God's spirit, together with all of us, that God might give me, might give you, the power, the ability to grasp how much he loves us. That's Paul's prayer for you and me. How do we receive more? We ask God to open our hearts, to make it possible for us to grasp his love. And I always love the end, uh, the start of verse 19. I don't know if you noticed the irony. To know this love that surpasses knowledge. Paul prays that God would give us the ability to know something that we can't know. I don't know what that does to your head. I, I Picture with me standing on that beach with your bucket and your spade and looking out to the sea. And then, then picture with me out in the distance this wall of water starting to build, a tsunami as high as you can see, as far to the east, as far as the west, filling the horizon, this tsunami running towards you. And it's like Paul's asking us to grab the bucket that you're holding on the beach, and as the tsunami comes crashing down, catch the tsunami in your bucket. Get it all in. Hold up that bucket and just get the whole tsunami in there. Know this love that surpasses knowledge. And here's the thing. You don't have the capacity to grasp how much God loves you. You don't have even the faintest chance of beginning to know how great his love is. No more than you could catch a whole tsunami in a little child's bucket that they're using to build sandcastles with. It's too great for us to know. We could never exhaust his love. We can't even begin to wrap our heads around it. And so we move to the the third movement in Paul's prayer, the point it's all building to. Why can we pray it? Because God's exalted Jesus and built us in. How do we pray it? By asking God to give us the capacity to know this love that's not knowable. And what's the point? Well, in the first prayer, he says it, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He says the same thing in the second prayer, verse 19. He says, so that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Same prayer, two two metaphors. The first one, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It's the building metaphor again. It's that Jesus might take up his home in my heart, that my body would play host to the King of Kings, that Jesus would be Lord of my life, not just on the external, not just a superficial allegiance, but that he would be King of my heart, King of my thoughts, King of my words, King of my attitudes, that Jesus would live within me, would fill me from top to toe, that Jesus would so live in me that my whole being is stamped by his imprint, that Jesus would take up residence in me. And then he goes on to say it, and he thinks, how can I say this even better? He prays in verse 19, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And I picture again that little child's bucket after the tsunami's hit, bobbing up in the waves. And it's true, right, that the the tsunami is in the bucket. That bucket is totally waterlogged. There's as much water into a bucket as you could possibly get. It might even be cracked, breaking at the seams. There's so much water in it. 
But you know, so much more true than saying that the tsunami's in the bucket would be to say that the bucket is in the tsunami, right? Because there's so much more sea than could ever get into this little container. And that's why Paul's praying tongue-in-cheek for us to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We can't contain it. There is so much more. You might think you've been a Christian for a long time. You might have been going to church for decades. You might have been following him all your life. There is so much more. There's so much more. You might not yet be a Christian. This might be your first time watching a church service online. You might never have heard of how much God loves you before. Let me tell you, you will never even begin to come to the end of his love, of his grace, of his mercy, of his kindness, of his, his love for you. It's as unending as the sea. And Paul prays that you and I would have the capacity to receive it. And in a moment, that's what I'm going to ask us to pray. What do we do? How do we respond to Paul's prayer? We, we just ask. It's all grace. It's grace from first to last. You don't deserve God's love. You can't earn it. Nothing you do can make him love you more or less. It's as relentless as the tide coming in. It's as vast as the ocean. It's more than you will ever be able to grasp. And we just ask him to fill us. And the confidence we can receive from this passage is to know that he'll do it. Paul says, by his spirit, not yours. In our hearts, but it's his spirit who does it. It's out of God's riches. It's out of God's strength. God will make it possible. And for some of us, it might begin by repentance. Uh, Because when we come face to face with a love that's so vast, so beyond anything that we could begin begin to comprehend, we realize just how far short of him we fall. That as C.S. Lewis said, we are far too easily pleased. Uh, He gave the examples of drink and sex and ambition. Fill in the blank for you. What is it that you find yourself yearning for? You find yourself filling your your time with or filling your life with. And actually, you're you're just playing in the gutter because you can't even picture what the sea is like. It might be your status. It might be a particular relationship. It might be your bank balance. It might be a promotion. It might be whatever it is. We are so easily pleased turning to things that cannot satisfy when the immensity of God's love is on offer in Jesus. The question for you, the question for me, is how much more do you want? I remember when I first grasped this, I was 16, I'd been a Christian for a few years, I believed in it, I put my trust in Jesus. I knew that he loved me, I knew that he died for me. And I was at a new wine festival in the summer, I was 16, I was on one of the kids' teams. And I just felt God speak to me using a word of scripture from 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. He said, uh, the verse said, How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And it was like a, a dam broke somewhere in my head, and I suddenly realized how much God loved me. It flew down from my head into my heart, into my gut. I fell to the floor. I started speaking in tongues. That had never happened to me. It was totally weird. And I just felt so full of God's love. It was the most joyful I've ever felt in my life. I lay there for an hour or two as the service went on, just feeling God's love washing over me like waves. And I remember getting up after that experience, I'd been a Christian before that experience. I haven't had an experience quite like it since. But I remember saying, if that's how much God loves me, I want to run after him with all that I've got every day of my life. I want everything that I am to be for him, if that's what it means to be his son. How much do you want him? 
Uh, and to be clear, I'm not, I'm not talking about pursuing a feeling here. I'm talking about pursuing the person. There's a world of difference between my love for my wife and my love for the feeling of being in love with my wife. The feeling comes and goes, but true love doesn't. It's the same with him. We're not chasing a buzz. We're not chasing an experience. We're just chasing him. There's so much more on offer. How much do you want him? There's one quote I'd love to finish with, and then I'll invite us to pray. One of my spiritual heroes, a great evangelist from the 19th century, D.L. Moody, said, The world has yet to see what God can do in and through a person who is fully yielded to him. I intend to be that person. The world has yet to see what God can do in and through a person who is fully yielded to him. I intend to be that person. Will you join me? Will you give yourself completely to him, recognizing that we don't even have the capacity to begin to grasp his love and to ask him to fill us to all the measure of the fullness of Christ that his love might explode out of us, overflow in us every day in every place in every word we say in every conversation we have in every place we go, that we might be saturated, submerged, totally overwhelmed by the love of God, that it might define everything that we say and do. So let's pray, shall we? If you're at home, you might find it helpful to close your eyes, perhaps hold out your hands. If you're in the building, perhaps would you stand with me? If it's helpful to you at home, please do stand as well. And we're just going to take some time to ask God to to make that true in, in our lives, to pray the prayer that Paul prayed. And the invitation from God to us is clear. He just, he just says, come, come to the water. Stop, stop paddling around in the shallows. Stop being satisfied with the things that don't satisfy. Come to me. There's so much more, so much more than you could ever have imagined. So Lord Jesus, we come to you. We thank you for your love that is wider and longer and higher and deeper than anything that we could imagine. And we stand before you and we say, Lord, we don't even have the ability to begin to receive your love. Our our bucket's too small. It's too full of sand. I'm so unable to grasp your love. Would you help me? Would you give us strength, Lord, as Paul prays? Would you give us the strength to grasp your love that we might be filled to the measure of all the fullness that is in you, that we might have more of you? Let's just stand in his presence. I encourage you to make that prayer your own. Use your words, use your language, but in your heart, just ask Jesus to increase your ability to know his love, to increase your capacity to be filled with him, to be submerged in him to overflowing, to begin to grasp that which we can't grasp. Let's just stand there and ask him to minister to us by his spirit. Come, Lord Jesus, how we need you. some of us here in the building or at home 
it might be that repentance is what's called for, that we know we have been far too easily pleased, that we've allowed our hearts to be pulled away to other things, that we've been playing in the gutter, not dreaming that the sea is on offer. We just need to say, God, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, Lord. I'm sorry for how I've, I've run after other things. I think there's one or two of us who feel that so strongly and actually you, you're worried that there's no love left for you. It's that, that I, can God's love really be that big? Even for me, have, can I not have, have, have done too much to be able to receive his love? Surely he can't love me anymore. And if that's you, then know beyond all certainty the problem is not that he doesn't love you. It's just that you doubt it. Like, like someone with a bucket who's full of sand and they're worried the water can't get in. There's so much water longing to, so much love longing to fill you. God, there is more grace and love in him than there is ever sin or brokenness in you. If you're coming doubting that he loves you, just, just ask him, Lord Jesus, would you show me how much you love me? And I pray, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are doubting God's love, who feel like they don't qualify for God's love, like they don't deserve God's love. Lord, I just pray that you would fill them afresh with the knowledge of how much you love them, that they would see Jesus hanging on that tree for love of them, that your love would cascade into them, that you would wash them with your love. Jesus, would you pour out your love on us afresh, we pray. Meet us at our place of need. we stand in your presence we thank you for your love we just offer everything in return we want to be full of you we don't want anything else in us getting in the way we don't want any sand or mud in the bucket that takes up room that you could be taking up so we ask you lord would you root out in us those places which are not yielded to you would you bring to our attention those, those places where we need to repent or where we need to give it over to you or where we need to walk a different way? Would you show us those things that are not fully yours and would you take possession of our lives that I might be, that each one of us might be people who are fully yielded to you? So Lord, we want to receive, we want to know as much of you as we are capable of by your power. We don't want anything to hold us back. We don't want anything to get in the way of us knowing your love. So fill us, we pray. We give everything to you. Pour out your love in our lives.